Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. All we're doing is creating private industry that widens the gap between people who have and people who have not. It comes down, PJ, to a very simple rule of be a good neighbour, talk to your neighbours. And I'd say, because of bureaucracy, I cannot get work permits. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. She's a bag of nerves out there. You're all right. You're grand. You'll be fine. Welcome back, Emer. Good to have you with us. Our new editor joins us this morning, Emer, uh, Fiona, gone off to seek her fortunes elsewhere. Good morning to you. And uh, I'm sure listening at home as she finally takes a breather in the mornings before heading off to the new job. It's been a nice weekend. I was in Kerry for the weekend, which is why I am fully convinced that this cat does not sound cork at all. I'm, I'm not too sure I'm getting cork out of this cat at all. No, no. No. I'm, I'm, not, get, I'm not getting cork there. Did you know what I mean? That's that's not that's not cork. Other than the fact the poor animal sounds like he's choking, that's a definite hilly ray cat. It lit up over the weekend anyway. Someone said that was a cat asking for Beamish with a ten or a chaser, but who's who knows? Who knows? Right, Monday morning, third of October, and straight to something far more serious. Rory, is it from County Down you are and you're trying to settle to study in Cork and having no luck? Good morning. Hi there, PJ. How are you, sir? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Good. Now you came to Cork to study a master's in UCC and you still have nowhere to live. Tell me the story. Uh, yeah, that's right. So um, just recently there have been in Cork three weeks now and uh, people did warn me, to be fair, um, that it was going to be difficult, but I had no idea it was going to be just as bad as it is. Um, 
current or I was staying there for sort of the first week with a guy I met at Electric Picnic. He was very, very kind, allowed me to stay uh, at his house. Um, and uh, at the moment, I'm actually over in Kinsale, um, staying with my mum's neighbour or my mum's neighbour's sister. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you you really are reaching out for any contacts you can get. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you came to Cork to start your masters. Had you you had a plan? Um, yes, I, I uh, have a number, or I've exhausted a number of sort of avenues as well. I was um, I've been in contact with the university, and to be honest, they've been quite good. Um, but the only things really that are left at the moment would be digs, and they're really only sort of for five days a week, whereas I'd be looking for sort of seven. Yes, um, but. Uh, because, you know, I, I'm all the way from County Down, as you're saying, so sort of the commuting wouldn't really work. Uh, so even even the stuff that is coming up that is uh, seven days a week, there's maybe still, you know, seven or eight students in for it, and it's, uh, you know, nothing certain, you know. Have you even been trying to, you've been trying to look out for a caravan even? That's right, yes. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't really expecting to go down that route, but I was trying to, you know, circumvent the problem. So I have phoned around and sort of no caravan parks will do long, long-term uh, lets. Uh, a lot of them may be closed down in the winter. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought I had something uh, organized actually just the other, the other day that fell through and I was, you know, rightly so annoyed. Now... UCC accommodation office. You said they've been they've been kind, but there's nothing they can do. Well, yeah, we're sort of at the stage now where the big uh, sort of apartment blocks won't even put you on their waiting lists. Um, there's just nothing there. Uh, UCC, as I said, they they've been contacted and they have been good now, but the really the only thing that are out there are the sort of five days a week digs. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't stay in dig seven days. It's just, well, you can, I suppose, but not everybody wants a stranger living in their house on a Saturday when they're trying to watch the match. <laughs> That's it. That's the I kind guess, of it, really. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember back to when we were going to college, um, myself and my mate, and he had uh, he had digs. He went home at the weekend. And again, like that, he just went home. He's only going down an hour down the road. But it was five days a week mm-hmm. accommodation, you know. Um, so yeah. there's, there's, there's nothing there, absolutely nothing there. And did you know? Did you know when you were coming down how bad things were, or were you thinking, right, I'll be, I'll be okay? I, I had been warned now, um, but I have done a right bit of travel around the world, and you know, lived in a, a lot of different locations. And I have to say, this is the the hardest I've ever found it to to find somewhere to live. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, I'm really not sure at the moment. Um. I, as I said, I'm staying uh, part of the time there in Conceal uh, with my uh, neighbor's sister or my mum's neighbor's sister. She's been super kind, and to be to be honest, the people have been super kind uh, to me around Cork, and everyone is super friendly. But I mean, I'm not the only one in this situation, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, and I I take it you've exhausted every last avenue. There's 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 just nothing there. There, there really isn't. You know, I'm, I am holding out now uh, that I may potentially be able to get some land yet, and maybe then buy the caravan and <laughs> still go down that angle. But we, I have to see things are up in the air at the moment. You know. Yeah. Have you been trying to get help from the students' union? Have they been any use to you? 
I mean, could you do um, a deal with a B and B or something? It's 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 possible there, but I'm I'm not really sure. As I say, I'm, I'm mostly contacting the accommodation um, people of UCC themselves, and they have been helpful. But it's still a bit of a lottery in there as well, you know. It's, I think your worst fear is very tight. Your worst fear is you might have to pack the course in, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's when you're not settled like this, it is very difficult to get into a routine to do. Uh, to do the work that I need to do, so yeah, that is that is difficult as well. And the costs are extremely high. I mean, I know I'm doing a masters isn't cheap at the best of times. So accommod- yeah, so accommodation I, on top of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's looking now like accommodation is going to cost more than the degree anyway for a year. You know, um, it's, it's crazy. It is absolutely bonkers, absolutely messy. And like you're you're holding out hope if someone will let you <clears throat> rent a caravan long term, you'll be happy to do it. If anyone's got a small one bedroom or even if I suppose if someone was prepared to take you into digs seven days, would you take it? Yeah, yeah, no, that that, that would be great. It's um see I have the car as well and uh, Cork City is actually rather difficult to park in. Uh so you that tell, would just be you tell me, uh, one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God I, I feel for you. I mean it's crazy that you've come all this way, you've chosen one of our brilliant universities, and now you and, and now you have nowhere to go. It's ridiculous. Mm. And we have, yes, it's uh, not like we're short of student accommodation and they're building more, like. Mm-hmm. Wow. I hear it's um, just as bad, if not worse, in Dublin. You know, I hear, um, you know, I'm a student, I hear lecturers are in the same boat in Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm getting sort of to the point where I've stopped saying anything to people other than I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, Do you know. Yeah. I mean, here you are coming to further your education, looking for uh, you're willing to pay for accommodation. You happy to live in a caravan if someone will have you in a caravan. <laughs> digs if someone will have you in a digs. Look, if anyone can help, they can drop us uh, an email or or pick up the phone to us at oh uh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six and see where we go. Um, but if 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 we can get your help, we'll get your help, Rory. How does that sound? That sounds great, PJ. Thank you. All right, man. And uh, what do you, what what's you, what are you doing the masters in? As a matter of interest, uh, bioinformatics. Bioinformatics. It's, uh, yeah, it's like coding for, uh, with biology. Ah, sounds good. All right, man. Listen. Good luck with the education, and good luck with finding somewhere to live. That's Rory from County Down. Came to Cork to do a masters. Can't get a caravan. Can't get digs. He's couch surfing and. Moving from place to place, week to week, using friends and stuff like that. It's a pity most people, more people don't use the rent-a-room scheme, says this caller. to be a deal for a lad like him now. Yeah, you can have, you can rent a room in your house, out to someone like Rory, and you can take €14,000 in rent without having to pay a penny tax on it. I mean, at a time when energy bills are through the roof. You'd think that there'd be people with spare rooms. I'm thinking of people who are clumping around houses, maybe people whose kids have left home or have moved out of home or emigrated maybe, and there's a room there, and here's a fellow with cash to pay for it. 0818 96 96 is the number. 
Cork's 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know, it's not the same as it was. Five nights in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. You're so Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Win your way to Harry Styles live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96 FM. Okay, Mary, can you help us? Morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Um, I have a room to spare if, if Rory would be interested in it. We're living in Ballinhasig. Okay, that's just outside the city. He's in Kinsale at the moment. He has a car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and would you be prepared to rent it to him seven days a week? I would, yeah, yeah. All right. No problem, that's okay, well, we'll put you in touch. We have a couple of more people calling us up as well uh, to see if we can help Rory. That's that's brilliant, Mary. We'll we'll put you in contact off the air. Thank you very much. Mary's in Ballinhasig. She's got a, a spare room. She'd be willing to rent it to Rory. She's willing to rent it to him seven days a week, which is what he wants. And uh, there's a tax break in it for Mary as well, you see. So it, it might all work out. You never know. We might have him sorted by the end of the show. Wouldn't that be a nice morning, morning's work on a Monday, the, the 3rd of October? Thank you, Mary. And we have a few more leads coming in. We'll see what we can muster up. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, it is still, it's awful though with people coming to our city to pursue education and pursue work and other such things and they have to go on a, on a radio show to see if they can get a place to stay. It's, it's, it's bonkers in, in 2022. It really is just crazy. But we'll see what we can do for Rory. You'd never know. 0818 96 96 96. Loads of people ringing us actually. The lines are very busy. Thank you. Um, now, Aaron Wolf, you got this lovely letter. Um, will you will you read it to me, rather than have me scribble, stumble over it? This lovely letter came in to you down at Clash to Eamon Reach. Morning, Aaron. Hi, how are you doing, PJ? Good, sir. Good. This you have no idea who this person is. They just wrote to you. No, none at all. Um, so there was an article in the Echo about schools struggling with electricity bills and whatever, and we had this letter sent to us um, the Monday after. Um, Will I read it to you there? Because it makes more sense to read it. So it started with Dear Aaron, saw a piece about your school in Saturday's Echo. Also on Saturday, I was 42 years sober thanks to Alcoholics Anonymous. For that reason, I would like to enclose 100 euro for your breakfast club. We need our children to grow up healthy and without fear. I was lost when I was 16. I'm 76 now and I'm still growing up. All the best to you and your teachers, Aaron. That's, that's, I mean, isn't that that's, fantastic? That's lovely. And you have absolutely no idea who this person is. No, well, I, I know their first name only. It was, they did have a first name. But look, when I when I spread the, the news on our Facebook page about it, I did just block out the first name. Um, but other than that, and it was it was addressed to um, our school in deepest cork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is a good, that, 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 that's a good description for where you are. It is tough with Absolutely. energy bills, though, for schools. Because I had another principal on here last week, Aaron, just explaining, like, the capitation... It doesn't even knock a hole in the, in the bills these days. 
No, no. And your student numbers are connected to that. So, my, I mean, our school was, we had smaller numbers for a long, long time. And when you have low numbers in your school, often you don't even meet the energy bills. And that's when schools are in the, the business then of having to do extra fundraising and, and really struggle. I mean, our school struggled for a long time, as you know. Our, our numbers had dropped. There was only about 200 students at one time in Deer Park CBS. Um, thank God now we're at Clos Damon Reach. This year we opened with 610 students. Wow. Um, but back in the days when we only had 200 students, um, the capitation did not meet the day-to-day running costs of the building. And day-to-day running costs is everything from, you know, uh, wages for some staff members, energy costs, uh, other bills, um, printing costs. Um, it's very, very expensive to, to run a school. Um, and, and your capitation... Well, look, we can get very political about it, but capitation needs to improve, really. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about your breakfast club. That's a great idea. Um, so, yeah, so we, we, we're funded by the Department of Social Protection to run a breakfast club for all students, which actually runs at 11 o'clock in the morning. So every student in the school gets a croissant and fruit and water at 11 o'clock in the morning. At big lunch, they get um, a hot meal. So a choice of three things. It's all cooked by O'Croolies in the school. Nice. But um, we thought there was a gap then. Um, so we're funding this ourselves and I mean that's what we're fundraising for students can come into school at 8 o'clock in the morning and we give them um, tea, toast, cereal it's run by a teacher Mr Finn he's timetabled five days a week and he comes in with some volunteers and the place is actually jammers at five o'clock in, at five o'clock in the morning at eight o'clock in the morning at eight o'clock in the morning it's absolutely packed Um and it's for all students. Yeah. Um, so it's a great way to start the day, you know. And what we're finding coming out of COVID, it, it's it's a social outlet for them. You know, they can come in, meet their friends, because that's what teenagers have been missing for a long, long time, yeah. is the social aspect. Of, yeah. And it's a safe, nice way to start the day. And I think when, it all, when they all come in together, Aaron, it, it avoids the isolation of someone who needs it versus someone who just, it's there and like it. Well, Absolutely. So in our school, you, you give the support, you give to one, you give to all so that no one feels uh, left out. And obviously every school in the country has um, students that are coming to school without a breakfast. Yeah. So it's great that we're able to offer it. Now, we're offering it out of fundraising and ourselves and out of our capitation and, the, you know, the dreaded parental contribution. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what schools spend it on. It doesn't go, it doesn't, it doesn't go, um, you know, on wasteful things. These are things that children really really need and we do have some students unfortunately and every school does that come to school without anything and you know houses will be cold this winter Um, so all schools we're looking at how do we keep the school open longer Um, we have a wonderful youth club that runs in our you'd know Brother Cusick Brother Cusick has run Bros Club for 40 years that still runs and we're just looking at things like that you know to, to give teenagers or young people bros club is open to primary school students as well but if they can stay in school that bit longer or they can come back to the building later on in the evening they might not be sat in a cold house yeah and it's no one's fault that it's cold only that the parents like it's not the parents fault just people cannot pay bills yeah and i spoke to you before about covid um you know some people have been wiped out and we can't mm-hmm. forget that some businesses have been totally wiped out by covid alone yeah, yeah, and, and uh, businesses, and I'll be talking to some businesses later in the morning who literally are, well, one has closed her doors and the other is considering his future. And people are saying, and it was sent to me a couple of weeks ago, Aaron, you know, senior business leaders, this will be worse than COVID. 
Yeah, well, you can imagine it. Well, we haven't uh, we haven't actually got our energy bill yet, but um, we're we are dreading it now. We budgeted for a hundred percent increase. Yeah. Um, we are very fortunate as a school because our numbers are strong at the moment. But back in the day, my goodness, Deer Park CBS wouldn't be able to pay our bills. We wouldn't have been able to. It would have been uh, dreadful. And what happens um, if you can't pay your bills? You know, what happens if a school can't pay its bills? Oh, ultimately, a school would face closure. I mean, schools do close. Um, you know, schools do schools do crow if your if your numbers are low. And I get a little pitch in here because our open night is actually we have two open nights running on Tuesday and Thursday night this week, starting at six o'clock. So if anyone is looking for co-ed school in the city, we have our open night. But um, schools rely on numbers. You rely on getting students in the door um, to cover your running costs. Yeah. Um, if you do, if you can't do that, then your school cannot cannot stay open. And Deer Park CBS back along 2000 and I think it was 2016 it was facing closure yeah and it was it's always been a fantastic school um long before I became principal you know it, it's been around in Cork City since 1828 at Sullivan's Key yeah. but you know for whatever reason it's cyclical with schools the numbers had fallen yeah. um people had moved out of the city now people are coming back into the city but yeah any uh, there's probably loads of principals or secretaries in, of principal offices listening that know exactly how difficult it is when a school's numbers fall and you are facing these yeah. bills that cannot be paid. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's worrying, worrying times. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Prince, Aaron Wolf, principal at Clush to Eamon Reach, their breakfast club, um, a game changer. And everybody can have something. There's no such thing as if you need something, you come in, it's it's there for everybody, which means no one feels no one feels looked at, as it were. Thank you, Aaron. 0818 96 96 96. Coming up, the the, the young girl who is literally eating her way around Cork. Uh, you'll find her on TikTok. Um, how she manages to put away the portion in some of the places. She's only little, but how she manages to put away some of the portions in the places she goes to. We'll talk to her later on. And like I said, there are businesses now are closing their doors. I'll talk to someone who actually has closed her door and to someone else who is seriously concerned about the future of his business that's coming up after 10 also after 10 Harry Styles I don't know how she puts the stuff away because the portions she gets and it's just a reflection of how good food is around Cork but my attention was drawn to uh, Robin's TikTok eating my way around Cork Robin Courtney. Here's some of the stuff she does. But this is her visit to KC's in Douglas. My friend has lived in Cork the last four years and she was like, Rob, if you're going to get a takeaway, you have to try KC's. So I put on my shoes and I went straight down. I was surprised to see how many awards there were, so that made me super excited to try this. I had a couple of options. Why try the pork with extra cheese and garlic mayo instead of regular mayo? And this came as a recommendation from the guy that worked there. And I was blown away. 6.75, I cannot wait to go back. Robin, going through your videos over the weekend... I just had to take a break to eat. <laughs> and the one I just played, KC's, is my local. Okay. So I know it well. When did you start doing this and why? Do you know what? I only moved to Cork five weeks ago and I was up visiting six weeks ago. And my partner was actually living in Douglas. And it was the first place that was recommended. And I'd never been to Cork or really eaten in Cork beforehand. So obviously... It was recommended from someone that lived in Cork and obviously I'm going to go there. And I seen the line outside and you knew it was going to be good. Yeah. And I had asked the person behind the counter, give me whatever you recommend. I don't care what it is. I don't even want to look at the menu. I don't know what this is. Just give it to me. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know, I was going in all guns blazing. I just filmed it, you know, and it kind of shot off from there. And at the same time as well, it filled the void of, of I suppose, moving to Cork and not knowing the place itself. So yeah. I filmed it and I threw it up on TikTok and it went from there. Yeah, no, KC's is one of the most historic places in Cork. It's yes. there since the 1950s. I'm sure someone's told you the, the history of it. The queue you talk about is famous. It, I think it's the only queue that had its own webcam at one point. No way. Yeah. I didn't even know that. At one stage, it had its own webcam. Yeah, there's a really interesting history to KC's. It was owned by a, a company called, or a family called the Crawfords going back along. So there's a huge, there's a huge history. But you're... You're not a foodie. You're not a food journalist. You just like to eat and have fun. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I say. You know, people are like, oh, review this place, review this place. And in a way, I guess I am reviewing it. But it's more the fact that I love just showing what I'm eating. You know, I don't give ratings. I don't. It's more just showing what, I, what I'm eating, what I'm ordering and what I kind of suggest, I guess. You know, so I, I like to kind of see myself more as just a food fanatic that is creative as well. If you get what I mean. <laughs> well, one thing we're very proud of in Cork is the variety and the range. You're discovering that. Yes, I'm from Tipperary and the food scene in Tipperary is, is not the best, you know. So when I did come to Cork, I was really surprised and really shocked, but in the best way possible. Yeah. You know, every corner, it was like, oh my God, I need to pin this on Google Maps because I want to go back there. And I'd first tried Brazilian food. I'd first recently tried Palestinian food. You know, it's not your typical Indian takeaway or your typical Chinese takeaway. Yeah. So it's that one I'm looking for. It's something that's different and new. And even like a lot of my comments on my TikTok are from people that have grown up in Cork or are from Cork saying, I've never heard of this place before. Yeah. I've lived here, went to college here for, for 10 years. Where are you finding these places? Half of its luck and half of its recommendations. Yeah, even people who've lived in Cork all their lives, like they don't know the half of them are there. You love our markets, Marina Market and the Black Market. Oh, yes. Like there's I suppose you have the milk market and Limerick, which where, which where I lived for a little while, but it's nothing towards the marina market. And and the good thing about the marina market is that there's constantly new places popping up. And mm. um, Pule Vu in the marina market, um, they did the Korean fried chicken. That was kind of the first video that really took off. And the next day they messaged me on Instagram going, OK, we usually they do often sell out, but they were like, oh, my God, since that video, we We've been selling out by 11, 12 o'clock every day. Like, wow, but also, oh my God, you know, they had to call their owner in to give them a hand over the next couple of days because it got so crazy. Hang on, you're, you're doing this. How long did you say? Um, uh, Seven weeks. Right, and you got restaurants selling out after one of your videos. No, I know it's crazy. Uh, it, but it's very special. It means a lot because not only am I having fun and exploring all these new foods, but the restaurant owners are also like the pandemic was so hard on them. Yeah. And it's so hard on the restaurant business in general. So it, it's really awesome. And that's the thing. You, you only put up stuff you like. I think what your policy is, if you don't like it, you just move on and you do nothing. Why, why that decision? You know what? I honestly think that restaurants have been hit so incredibly hard after the pandemic. You know, everyone is struggling right now, like inflation, 
like electricity crisis. The last thing I think they need is me on their back kind of going, that was that wasn't great. Or, you know, that's a that's that's not for me. You know, I much rather if I have an incredible experience, like I want people to come to my TikTok looking for a place to eat, not looking for a place they don't want to eat. You know, so when you go on and you go search through like the top three sushi places in Cork, you want to find somewhere that you want to eat. You know, you don't want to find out where you don't want to eat, I guess, you know, that's why Google reviews are there. You can go and find that out information there, you know. So and on top of that, if I can help these restaurant owners in a positive way, I will do that. Now, obviously, I will always be honest Mm. and I will I will say what I eat and um, what it tastes like and and if I enjoyed it. Um, But if it is an experience where I feel like it could have been better, you know, it could have just been a bad day for the restaurant as well. You know, it's, it's hard to say that's a terrible restaurant based on one small dish, you know. So if it's a thing where it's not really up, it's not really my taste or it's not something that I really enjoyed, I just, you know, keep it to myself and I move on. You're very kind like that. You're also not afraid to try mad stuff like, sorry now, but an Oreo pizza. Oh my God, I needed to be rolled out of that place. <laughs> it was, I'd never heard of Where Oreo. did you get that? That's in the black market, burnt pizza. That's one of their kind of like different desserts that they offer. Um, they also have a restaurant in town as well. And I kind of said it to them, I said, give me whatever you want. Honestly, I'm looking for a dessert, throw out whatever you want. And they gave me an Oreo pizza and my eyes nearly fell out. And to say I couldn't eat for two days after eating that, because it was so incredible, but you need to be hungry. I was looking at the video of it and my arteries were clogging Oh, before yeah. you had even put it into you. It looks gorgeous. The, the marina market, the black market, the town. I'm going to put you under pressure, Robin. Have you okay. got a, a favourite so far? Best place you've been? Oh, now it depends on what you're feeling. You know, um, I would say, okay, so the most memorable, let's go with the most memorable, was the Old Town Taqueria for their Beria Tacos. That was honestly incredible. Um, I was hard to give one, and I would say... The Sabor Nordestino, they're a Brazilian restaurant in town and mm-hmm. they do these Brazilian barbecues. Now, they say it's for two, but like it's enough to feed three. Or I suppose <laughs> four if you're not very hungry. But they will be like two that I would love. If you were to want to go somewhere new, they will be the two that I would recommend. Cool. I haven't asked you about yourself. You're only in Cork a little while. Tell me more about yes. yourself, Robin. So I've loved social media since since I was young um, and I love to eat, obviously. Um, my mom said she when I would go to bed when I was a kid, um, she put a slice of ham on my pillow to help me fall asleep and she'd wake up next day and the ham was gone. Hang on, hang on. You can always wait, tell wait, wait. me that story. Ham though. on your pillow to help you <laughs> oh, go to sleep. Like, she'd bribe me. She'd be like, go to bed, you'll have a bit of ham go to sleep, she wake up the next day, the ham was gone. So she often tells me that story, you know. So ever since then, you mm-hmm. know, um, it kind of happened from there. And I love to cook um, and I love to eat, obviously, but I love to create too. That's a huge part because um, yeah. it's just a side hobby. It's not my full-time job. Um, it's not what I went to college for. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do, you mind, do you mind me asking what you do do when you're not TikTok and eating? 
<laughs> so I my degree is in medical science, but I went down the path of working for Shopify. So they're an online e-commerce company that yeah. I'm sure a lot will know of. And a lot of restaurants will actually have their restaurants on the platform. And um, so that's what I do midday. And then obviously then on TikTok um, takes up quite a lot of time. But it's not like I don't see it as a job. You know, it's just something that I love to do. And I'm doing it anyway. So why not kind of create with it, you know? Yeah. And having fun with it, too. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to make a recommendation to you if you haven't been there yet. I know you love the Marina Market, okay. but MKT, have you heard about their burgers? I have, you know, and it's funny because it's been recommended in the comments so many times and I just need to get there. But right. It sounds incredible. Yeah, it is. Any particular burger or do they just do the oh, one kind of Oh, listen, just, just go for whatever's up on the specials board. Tell them I sent you. I'll tag you. If I film and I eat it, I'll tag you. So expect it on TikTok. Great chatting to you, Robert. Take care. Cheers. Thank you so much. Have a great day, PJ. Bye-bye. Robin Courtney. Uh, you find her eating her way around Cork on TikTok or on the Insta. 0818 96 96 96. This story in the news at the weekend about <clears throat> pay-as-you-go meters. The Taoiseach saying, whether he can say it with certainty or not, no one seems to know, but saying that nobody on a pay-as-you-go meter will get disconnected during the winter. I have a point about the pay-as-you-go meters. The moratorium announced or referenced by the Taoiseach, says this caller. Wouldn't that be open to people to abuse it by deliberately not paying their bill? You'd want to be very careful there. I hope they've some way to monitor it, some proper system to monitor it. 0818 96 96 96. Currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it these. Uh, drop it these in, yeah, no, I don't know. I have to spend it. Another winner, there you go. Go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. Went through a bunch of different incidents or reports of incidents from around the country last week. Assaults and intimidation of referees and officials during matches up and down the country. They're in Kerry, they're in Tipperary, they're, and they're here in Cork. And, and there's one reasonably serious one, we're told, happened recently here in, in the city. It prompted a very senior official to speak to the media about this. I, I'm Cork GA County Board Referees Administrator Niall Barrett. Uh, of course, yourself, a referee and, and steward and all those things, as well as the administrator. Now, it's it's time people spoke up because it's happening too often. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. There's, Good morning. Too, much, there's too much. You've been assaulted yourself. Um, I was assaulted. Um, just to clarify a few things, I'm not... I'm a retired referee. I was in the county at okay. one stage, right? But I retired at this stage, right? Okay. Through injury. Right, but I'm presently the um, county board administrator. But I was assaulted myself last year uh, uh, while umpiring at a at a county board senior match. Wow, yeah. There's a lot of it goes on. A lot of it goes unreported because it happens at the weekend and underage level. Yeah, it it does. Funny enough, now if you talk about it, that uh, we had a 
I, I attend a lot of uh, games, right? Mostly adult games at weekend because I've been involved. I've been at five matches now between Saturday and Sunday. So I go to juvenile games as well. I'm also part of my own club. But even last night, this morning, I was alarmed to hear that there was a serious melee took place at a, after a juvenile final this weekend, you know? Yeah. And the referee taught me that, taught me that was uh, hair raising stuff. What's the cause of it? What 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 has changed to to make this happen? Um, I don't know. There appears to be a lot of anger out there. I I just don't know, and I think I, I said this that there's a lot of built up anger, and you know I suppose sports is probably related a bit to that as well. You know I'm involved with teams myself, and and you know players play within the rules. In fairness, you know during my career, players are wonderful. They're rarely a problem. Mm-hmm. Real life ever, mm-hmm. but uh, there's lots of things wrong. I believe you're, you're asking about the specific now of uh, people themselves. I think people have changed. People got got a lot more serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just had a fun going. So I feel like a bit of ball hopping with people that I can trust. But now I find myself not being careful who I have a joke with. You know, I, I think know. a lot of people. Have, I think COVID has, and the lockdown had a big effect on a lot of people. I think you know there seems to be built up built up. Uh, Built, built up uh, tension with people. And I think they think they can release this through sport because where was the cutoff point, you know, between the between sport and uh, and the law taking over, I suppose. From our point of view, and I'd be on the refereeing side, it's, you know, the, the instance in Roscommon where on media, it just showed the, uh, the referee who was assaulted lying on the ground and uh, an ambulance, right? Mm. Our take should be on this should be somebody being arrested and a guard and a guard the car outside. Are you with me? Yes. The opposite. The, oppo- the opposite. You know, this, you know, some people see this as acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable. There, there was another incident recently as well. Fairly serious happened in the, in, the, in the course of a game. And again, people were saying, no, that's an assault. And if that happened in the street of a Saturday night, you'd find yourself having a conversation with a, a member of the local conservatory, as it were. And, we seem to talk about the heat of the match and the heat of the moment. Some of this is well above the heat of the moment, isn't it, now? It's, it's gone beyond us, you know. And, uh, you know, but I, I must say, it is, it's that player. Look, there's, there's lots of problems, you know. I suppose all coaches and mentors involved with teams do a foundation level course and they're guard of it. But the one crazy thing about about our sport is that playing rules are not even even taught to to, to coaches. I was into county refereeing, and when I was uh, into county referee, I was invited into clubs in Limerick, Tipperary, Waterford, and a, a couple in our own county as well to go through the start of the year. You know, with coaches and people involved, the actual playing rules, and uh, you know, it's hard to believe that people involved with teams who actually don't know the playing rules. Yeah. You know? Do you know what I find most upsetting, Niall? And my own kids are out of that particular bracket now, but, you know, going to matches in many codes, not just GA, but, but youngsters, 9, 10, 11 and 12-year-olds playing matches on a Saturday morning and parents roaring like town bulls on the sideline at mentors and players. That's not acceptable. No, I would agree. Uh, I'd agree, and I have to say that as a referee, when I when I was refereeing a few years ago, some players are embarrassed and they're upset. Mm. 
And actually, most most referees, I don't know, we have different standards. At Cork, we've told them 20 referees, roughly. And there was uh, this was misquoted in the evening, of course, Red. But we've actually 60 new lads uh, um, recruited to, to take up referee. Mm. So there's actually, you know, good goodness outdo badness Indeed. in my little world all the time, right? And that's that's a massive figure, you know. Mm. And and they're trained by you know top class officials like Connor Lane, Colum Lines, Michael Collins, David Cowan, people who refereed it on Alan Finals. So the structures are in place for refereeing, right? But it's an acceptable thing, and a lot of things are buried and have been buried for years or watered down, yeah. watered down. Yeah, and look, forget I- about it. We move on to the next story. The next story seems to be the same thing. <laughs> again the following week you know I so, guess it's, it's fair yeah, to say now the referee that didn't make a mistake didn't make anything and in fact that person doesn't exist the referee that didn't make a mistake that that's going to happen that's sport but would you yeah everybody yeah sorry go on everybody sets out to do their, their best we know that there's different quality referees right but there's a place for everybody it's like everybody in society everybody has a place you know, there's, there's all different levels, you know, and, you know, and in Cork, even like we've talked to a party, top class, really top. These matches are streamed. Anyone who's in Parky Heath at the weekend and saw the standard of refereeing and official and like top 10 out of 10 sort of stuff. And these are fellas who dedicate themselves, you know what I mean? And they get little or nothing. Umpires get nothing. Linesmen get nothing. Yeah. That's we the point. You're, you're not going to see it. We had to get a cup of tea. You're not going to, to see it at the first line match. You're not going to see it at a top level game, generally speaking. It happens in other places. But when something happens, Niall, like what happened in Roscommon, the one where you said a while ago, someone should be having a conversation with a Garda, and I completely agree with you. The association, is it, it like a, there's a 96 week ban? Is it time to consider lifetime bans, Niall, for people who do things like that? I think, look, I suppose before we start, uh, you could say yes and no. I suppose um, one time I think the GA tried that, but I suppose you can't do that really. Look, GA rules are man-made rules. Like we all we all sign up to them, you know what I mean? Um, but my belief always is that if you do the, the crime, you do the time, right? Mm-hmm. Some people seem to get away with it. It's happened in this county at the moment where, you know, <laughs> you don't... Not, Depending, you know, some of the top players have have gotten away, have cars rescinded for things that happened and stuff like that. Whereas the ordinary fella hasn't got the power to swan his club and stuff like that. So there's not enough. Oh, God. And just to move on as well, I, I actually think uh, the G as a whole are not trained. People on boards are not trained how to handle or to deal with these things, you know. They're outside of their... Oh, what's they're, the safe, was, they're, yeah. they're outside of their safety space. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not confident with, with with dealing with it. They're not confident. No. No. Nobody is. Nobody is. Yeah. Nobody is really. So. So you you have you have that little dodgy line. I think that I, I don't know. Maybe not coming across right, but it's there. No, I, don't, I, I actually think they're out to handle it. I think. I, I think. Yeah, I think what you're saying very clearly as a highly experienced official, Niall, is is it's time for a conversation as to where we go from here. <sighs> It is, yeah. It is, yeah. But remarkably, now as well, I've been listening. I, I haven't met uh, met the man, but uh, the minister for sport, Jack Chambers, has come out recently, and you know, you know, is monitoring what's happening, right? But my world is I believe that actions free stronger than world. Sure. So I'd be inter- interested to know what his follow-on is going to be, because 
know, it's happening in all sports and even people tell me about the rugby and oh, this and that. Yeah. yeah, but but rugby players are starting to take on referees as well now. And I, I saw, I watch all sports and not GA entirely and I saw a particular player taking on a referee recently and I think a lot of people know what I'm yes. about. But yes, I did. Yes, I, saw, <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I saw the yeah, same yeah, incident so. myself and I was a bit surprised by yeah, it. He, he got, a, he got yeah, a, hefty, so. a hefty suspension for it. And I saw a referee last year being taken on at a rugby game as well. That was that was that was on. on uh, I was watching it a Friday or Saturday night at home. I watch all sports and yeah. and, uh, and that. Yeah, you know, but it's, you know, I think it's starting to come in there as well. So yeah, no, I, I suppose the, the human being has changed, and I, I suppose society has changed in the sense that we're all experts now because of. We can we can Google and we can get the answer Social to everything, media. right? Social media. Social media. We can get the answer. We're all experts, but you know, people on the bank don't have. I don't. I could use the word Leroy to come down and do an umpire or help or stuff like that. Man. You know. All right. Listen. Yeah, I I leave it there now. Thank you very much. I think you've put it very well there at the end. The fellas shouting from the sideline wouldn't have the Leroy to to actually go on the pitch and do the job. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. You're waiting for a Harry Styles song to come in this hour. I would suggest... The next half an hour or so, you're waiting for that Harry Styles song. Your opportunity to see him in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro for five nights. With your flights, hotel and spending money. Sun, Samba and Styles from Quark's 96 FM. The Harry Styles song is your cue to get onto us. As soon as you hear it, you need to text or WhatsApp at 083 396 96 96. Just something in the news there that made me very happy. As somebody who started talking and writing and broadcasting about adoption rights and tracing rights and rights to birth certs and all of those things, it would have been maybe 2000, 2001. I started working at this stuff, maybe even earlier, really, if I'm truthful about it. And in 2003, I was very, very proud to be a founder member and indeed an occasional media advisor to a group called Know My Own, which were set up to promote the kind of changes and to call for and lobby for the kind of changes that have been signed into law as of today. So it's a very, very happy day for those who have campaigned for better rights to information and tracing advice for adopted people. I'm delighted with that and very proud to have played some small part along the road. 0818 96 96 96. A lot of um, help hopefully coming in. Whether we're not able to actually sort them out, we've certainly got some people we're listening to. Rory from County Down, who's in Cork, studying for a Masters and literally has nowhere to live. We, we've got a few offers of help for him. There's a few other people messaging us about trying to get accommodation for students to one particularly long message which I'll read in a little while. We have a lot to do but I need to go and talk to Wayne Lloyd of Wayne Lloyd here because business, I was, I was away the weekend Wayne and I was just talking to people about you know the cost of 
doing business and the cost of energy and the cost of everything and remarking that people are really, really struggling to keep the price of whatever goods or services they're offering, to keep those prices under control while at the same time trying to deal with energy bills. It's getting very tough for your industry. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, I mean, the first comment you meant there, you said there about people trying to keep their prices under control. It's a really big issue because what happens is when people feel that uh, people don't understand how businesses run and they all think we go home and roll around in a big pot of money. And the reality of the situation is since since, uh, lockdown and COVID and everything, everybody's come back to debts that they're trying to pay off. Um, And people think that when I saw a comment where somebody had said about... um, somebody in hospitality and they said that they couldn't get the staff and they said, well, you should pay your staff better then. And throw away comments like that, people don't understand that the, the pricing is based on how much it costs to run the service. Yeah. And at, at the moment, we're, we're harassing and personal services and we're in, in an industry where we have pretty much a zero profit uh, a zero profit margin and in most cases a minus profit margin. We've had in the, um, I'm also the president of the Irish Hairdressing Council, we've had in the last few years, we've had four minimum wage increases. We're just about from this lovely budget that we've just had, which um, like uh, SMEs, small business enterprises, were not addressed at all. Um, And basically, um, we are going, so from the new year, uh, our industry has to start to pay sick pay we get a 4.5% VAT increase. We get another, this will be like our fifth, I think, uh, minimum wage increase as the government pushes us towards the living wage. And whilst people on minimum wage, um, I understand it's tough, but people have to understand that, that that increase in minimum wage, I've got 16 staff, 80 cent an hour on a 40 out, 41 hour week for 16 staff. That has to come from somewhere. And then that we have to have um, company uh, uh, sp- uh, company sponsored pensions as well. We have to put into pensions for our staff now as well. Yeah. Um, which traditionally it was a, a kind of a more bigger business kind of thing, but it's now being asked of all medium and all enterprises as well. Mm. One might say to you, Wayne, that you know a minimum wage is required. And the minimum wage is not sufficient to live on in 2022. One might also argue that these are just rights that people are entitled to expect when they go to work. I wouldn't disagree with you at all. I honestly wouldn't disagree with you at all. Um, we pay minimum wage for and above minimum wage for staff. Um, we have the National Hairdressing Apprenticeship um, running so we can, we can pay below minimum wage on that because it's a training rate. But yes, uh, minimum wage is tough to live on. The problem is, if uh, and this is a government problem, uh, which has created an industry problem, if you want more than minimum wage or if we want to be able to pay more than minimum wage, there's a study been done in the UK recently and our industry would have to increase prices. We're looking at in excess of 30%. Wow. Um, obviously, our clients can't afford that, <laughs> and I'm not suggesting anybody does that. What I'm saying, it's such a large increase 
to cover everything and make a profit. And when I'm saying profit, I'm talking a five to ten percent profit, not a large profit. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not look, talking about the bonuses that the electric companies are getting their hundreds of thousand pound bonuses while they're putting our prices through the roof. Yeah, I, I was going to get to the energy bills. I mean, minimum wage is difficult. Pension yeah. arrangements are going to be difficult. But energy bills are just ridiculous at the moment. Yours are gone through the roof. Yeah, they have. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really... I'm just I'm trying to work out myself at the moment. It doesn't even make sense how it's gone up. And um, I don't even understand why it's gone up so much i know obviously we've got troubles in the ukraine and everything but it, it it doesn't make sense to me but then that that wouldn't be my specialist subject but what what my fear is that ireland for me isn't made up of you know huge corporations and things it's made up of small businesses yeah. like mine and other people's in towns and villages across the whole country that are the backbone of this country. And my fear is if we don't get help soon, they won't be around anymore, PJ. Yeah. They won't be able to survive through this. I remember the last crash, Wayne, and, and covering it <laughs> as a journalist at the time. And I remember one very wise business person saying to me, this won't be fixed 300, 400 and 500 jobs at a time. This will be fixed three, four and five jobs at a time. And what they meant was it's the small businesses that will fix this. It was right. Absolutely right. So 100%. now so now here you are under incredible pressure. Like you can't put up the price of, of a haircut by thirty percent. You just can't. Oh God no, God no. And we don't want to. The the, the problem with the other massive problem we have in this country, which which I try to address all the time, is the shadow economy, the black market. Um, how much for cash, people doing foxes and nixers and all that kind of thing. And while it's been kind of an acceptable part of Irish society and, and we, you know, we don't really think too much of it, we have to think seriously now about the fact that if, 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 if I have to, because we're tax compliant and we pay all insurance and whatever, if my prices go up, I do take the chance of that client going, well, I can't afford it. I'm going to get so-and-so to come around my house and do it. Um, but by this, I'm not saying mobile hairdressers. Mobile hairdressers pay tax, pay insurance, and are in the same category as me. They're, they're working people. But obviously, you and I both know there's lots of people out there that aren't so scrupulous as that, and they go out and they <clears throat> don't pay tax and they don't have insurance and they may be claiming benefits and doing it at the same time. Yeah. And that has a massive knock-on effect because that's where we lose our business to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you fear for your, for your outlets, Wayne, at this stage, Band and Belly Hob? Do you fear for them? I can't say I don't. I can't say I, I don't because it's such. Um, we 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 always had this um, belief in our organisation before that service, you know, good service will always prevail. Unfortunately, I look at some really really good restaurants and some really really good salons. And they're going or, or gone or um, that now working three days a week instead of five because they can't get the staff or, you know, maybe the bills are too high to keep it open that, that many days a week. Yeah, I do. I don't think anybody's safe from this, yeah. myself included. Yeah. Well, on a brighter note, I, I'm told I need to congratulate you 
from uh, <laughs> on your recent visit to Paris where you were awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award at the OMC Hair World event. So congratulations on that Thank regard. Thank you very much. Thank well, you well done to you. And I hope, I hope that the small businesses like yourself will get through this because it, it, it looks to me, and I was just chatting over the weekend, autumn and winter up to Christmas and early New Year, that'll be okay. It's the spring of 2023. You could end up with, with, with a wasteland out there if things don't come under control very soon. Exactly. I think people are, it's, it's a little bit quieter now because we, you know, summer was nice weather. So it, it, that was good enough for people. October, November, a little bit quieter. I hope for a good Christmas. But then the, the, the bleakness of January and February is where else I think we'll see people looking around and making decisions. And, and that's going to be a, a sad thing to see. But if we can keep shouting about it and it's people like you that help us shout about it, that, that's what we have to keep doing, PJ. All right, Wayne, continued success and good luck. And I hope that it, the next couple of months that you manage to get yourself uh, through them. That's Wayne Lloyd of Wayne Lloyd Hair, Bandit and Belly the Hub. Uh, thank you very much, Wayne. I was hoping to speak to Elsa Cabrini from the Tasty Corner Cafe in Cove, but she's a bit, she's just emotionally wrought at the decision that she's had to make. Um, she closed her door on Sunday. Sunday at four o'clock because of soaring energy bills. A lovely spot, the Tasty Corner, and lovely staff. And she just said, I cannot sustain charging 15 euro for a fry, which is what she'd have to do to keep the doors open. So she just can't do it. She just can't sustain it anymore. Doing a comparison, I mentioned this a week or two ago, the, the drinks industry were saying that if the cost of cooling beer and keeping premises open were to be translated into the price of a pint, you'd be paying about €23 Euro for a pint of Guinness right now. And I was listening to a discussion from the UK. I think we're bad. They're worse. They're flying into the head of a mountain at the moment, economy-wise. Is a guy was saying if he was to charge realistic prices in his pub for food, you'd be paying £47 pounds for a burger and chips, which is utterly unsustainable. Utterly, utterly unsustainable. 0818969696. Just a quick one back to the uh, referees, assaulting the referees, which we heard about from Niall Barrett uh, before 10. The referee on there, I made a good point relating to society in general. I guess they all tie in together here. He said there's a lot of built-up anger. It's an extremely important point to make in these violent times. I suppose people want to vent their anger and frustration and they find ways to do it like through sport. It's a point. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Remember just minutes away from Harry Styles. And you know what to do when you hear the song. 0818-96-96-96. Now, I was only over in Tenerife myself in the summer and fell in love with the place. I'd never been there before. I couldn't believe I'd never been there before. But fell in love with the place. And I'm told there's quite a lot of Cork people have not just fallen in love with it completely, but moved over there to work from there or work there in business or just move over and live the easier lifestyle lifestyle in the sunshine. Mia Bowen is currently writing a book about moving abroad. What part of Tenerife are you in, Mia? Morning. Morning, PJ. I am uh, living in the south of Tenerife, so I'm in a place called Azeke. 
Nice, nice. Okay. And you moved there when? Um, so we moved actually March 2020. <laughs> just on time. Yeah, yeah. Literally just as the pandemic kicked off, um, it was like we were only here like three weeks before we got completely locked down for four months. Yeah. Um, and I actually remember like a month before leaving, hearing all the news about, well, at the time it was an epidemic. And I remember thinking like, I remember talking to family member thinking, maybe we shouldn't move, maybe we should wait. And their advice was like, do it now or you're never going to do it. And I'm so, so glad I listened yeah. to that advice because, you know, I don't think we would have been over here if we didn't just go for it. And then there was a case in the H10 and the whole place went slam. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Like I remember hearing um, from the news, Ireland, I know you had that like exercise, you could still exercise we had nothing like that. We were like locked in our apartments for four months. There was police on every corner. It was right. it was hectic. Yeah, it was. That's right. I, I got talking to a, a pub entertainer when I was over there on my holidays and the stories he told me frightened the life out of you. You moved. Yeah. You moved for what? Why, why did you move, Mia? Was there jobs involved? What was the story? Um, so basically, our journey, it kind of started in 2018. Uh, we had, well, our son was one years of age. Uh, we were pretty young at the time. Um, I was only 22 when I first decided that I might move abroad. And my partner was 26. And we had just uh, had our son Levi. So um, in 2018, we had applied for some financial help. And we didn't get it. We were over the cap for the amount of money you could make to get financial help with housing and other financial help off the government. And so we had to uh, think outside the box and think what we could do with our lives. And that's when the idea first came up about life abroad and if we could make it. Um, at first, uh, my partner, he wasn't really for it. He was more like a home bird. We loved Ireland, you know, and we wanted to make it work. I worked in Brian Thomas at the time and I really loved my job and he loved his job. But unfortunately, it came down to the fact that I would have to leave my job or else I would have to say I was a single mother to get the help that we needed. And so th those options, they just they just didn't appeal to me. It's not what I wanted. Um so at the time we were looking at rental and rental was crazy. It was so expensive. We were young, as I said, we didn't have savings to fall back on. And so um, I remember saying something to my partner. I remember saying, why will we pay all this money for rent to stare out at the rain every day? I said, it's not what I envisioned for my life. I'd rather pay the money to stare out at the ocean. Um, and so I slowly had these conversations and opened up his mind a bit. And I feel like uh, one day he was just having a really bad day. It was a really wet day in Ireland in Cork where we lived. And he said, let's do it. Let's just save for a year and move abroad. And let's just go for it and give it our all. Mm -hmm. Um. So we did. We saved for a year. We saved as much as we could. And um, in 2020, we moved. I actually had a few interviews set up and I actually got a job with Jetu. But at the time, because of the pandemic, my job was taken away, of course, yeah. um, because it was with airline and the pandemic hit. And Ross had been in contact with a few people through email that he felt like it was a, it was all positive. And so he actually ended up working before I did. Um, and I just kept going. I kept applying for lots of different things. And finally, I did get a waitressing job. Mm -hmm. Um 
so I just stuck with that. I just stuck with that. It was really, really hard to start trying to figure this all out. I mean, we had went with a plan. We had went with an idea of what jobs we would have, what money we'd be making. And all of that was taken away because of the pandemic. We didn't actually end up even staying in the apartment we originally moved over here for. And so we literally had to just not only move abroad, but we had to completely start everything again. You change all we your here. plans in, in, in mid yeah, exactly. So So like... You get out there, you're working, like you said, and he's working, and you've got Levi, who is what age now? Um, when we moved, he was two and a half, right. and now he's five. So how do you work out with things like childcare, school, rent, mm-hmm. compare one with the other? I mean, we know what rent is like here. Tell, t- yeah. tell, us, what you, tell, tell us what kind of a property you live in and rent and childcare. How does it compare? Okay. Um, so it's it's incomparable basically it's 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 just like i remember at the time looking at rental properties we were going to have to move 40 minutes outside of cork city and i think at the time it was something crazy like 1500 well maybe that's not crazy to you but it was crazy to us at the time we were young as i said it was hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's like 1500 for a one-bedroom and our commute was going to be crazy in the morning. It was going to be like 40 minutes in a car, even longer in a bus. And as I said, I just couldn't imagine it. So here we live in a two bedroom, two bathroom apartment. And I'm actually looking at the ocean from my rooftop and it's 650 a month. I, that includes bills for us. <laughs> right, right. And then another thing people say about that part of the world, Asher, the, the wages are nothing. So that's why the, that's why the cost of living is low. That's not exactly true, is it, Mia? Um, it's not exactly true. I would definitely say, I would like to say that for us, where our careers over here in Tenerife, I do feel like we had luck on our side. Mm. We met the right people. We talked to the right people. We got linked up with the right people. I'm actually now working as my dream job. I actually... I got promoted from my waitressing job within the company and now I run their social media. So I'm actually, and that's what I wanted to do since I was, since I left school, basically, that's what I wanted to do. And I just feel like the opportunities here, I feel like people are more willing to give you a chance without a college certificate. If they, if they see you're a hard worker here in Tenerife, if they see you have a skill, I feel like it's easier to break into different career paths. And um, yeah, just the wages like we are making good wages for the cost of living over here. I mean, like 
our rent barely puts a dent in our monthly wage we're getting here. Groceries are cheaper than much cheaper than Ireland. As I said, our bills are included in our rent, so that's not something we have to worry about. And another huge difference is car insurance. It's really, really different here. Um, so our car insurance per year is only 102 euro uh, for the both of us. And that's the whole entire year it, that's covered. Um, so, you know, compared to home, I think yeah. I think at the time I was a new enough driver. I think that my insurance was something crazy, like a yeah. thousand euro every December. And it was just, you know what? It was the pressure. It yeah. was the pressure. It was the financial pressure of trying to come up with these bills every month in Ireland. And it was the pressure that actually caused me to have like a, a, a harder life, a sadder life. I, sure. I was under so much pressure, like every December, you know, and here it just seems like the pressure is off. Like for us, we make good wages. Like it's definitely more than we thought. I would say just so people have an idea, I do think the minimum wage is around seven euro. So I know it is quite different to Ireland, but... Again, you have tips. If you're waitressing, you have tips. Tips are amazing here in Tenerife, you know, because you have the tourism. Yeah. People are willing to leave tips. And so, like, your tips can make up half of your wage at the end of the night. And, I, again, if you are coming over here to work, you know, you will find that contracts are different. A lot of people kind of do, like, a temporary contract at first. And if you are successful in your job, you'll get a permanent contract. And that permanent contract opens a lot of doors for you Fabulous. for public health. Um, You know, it's easier to get rent and, like, for us, as I said, we just fell into the right hands. We just are very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, with I, I, th- I think what you're saying is you need to do your homework before you move. But you're finding a lot of other Irish people out there, quite a few car people as well, Mia, who've made the move. Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually work with a few people from Cork and I work with a few Irish people. So not everybody I work with is from Cork, but they I do work with people from Ireland and it's actually such a breath of fresh air. Sometimes when you miss home, I just feel like I actually work with a lot of different people from different parts of the world. And they say when the Irish get together, it's just like we're speaking a different language. They can't understand us, even though we're speaking this language there but we just almost finish each other's sentences you know yeah yeah now after six or seven or eight months i think you got a bit homesick it's not all it's not all sunshine and 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 sandy beaches like no absolutely not you know at the end of the day like you still have your real life you still have like as you said there at the start of our conversation is trying to find someone to mind levi or maybe there'd be a last minute like day in his daycare at the time that they couldn't do or they weren't open or there was like reasons with the pandemic. Like that was the most difficult time when we would get last minute news that Levi needed to be minded. Um, And it would be a case that again, we were lucky. Like if I had to ring my boss at the time and say, look, I can't come in today. I did work nights as well, PJ, when I first came over here, you know, and I did that for a reason. I did that because I knew that I would be there during the day for Levi. So again, like it's all about doing your homework and making sure you have the right setup for what suits you and your family or what suits you as an individual. So I knew working nights, even though it was extremely hard on me physically, it would be better because I'd be there during the day for Levi to drop him to school, get yeah. him set up in school. You mentioned, um, you mentioned yeah. school and daycare. Like daycare, I don't need to tell you the price of childcare here is just astronomical. What's, what's his daycare yeah. cost her? 
Um, so when we first got over here, we put him into a private school. Um, that was just because it suited our hours. So again, you that isn't necessary. You can put them into public school, which is actually free of charge. Um, like he is in a public school right now. I only have to pay for his books. Um, and then when we first came over, it was um, private daycare. It was every day from nine to two. So uh, five days a week, nine to two. And that cost us 200 euro a month. Well, uh, included- oh, stop, stop. I can't pick a minute. Nine to two, <laughs> five days a week, 200 a month. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to say 200 a week. No, no. And again, like, again, look, you can go to different places. You can go to, I guess, what you could say, like more prestigious private mm. schools or they would be more money over here. But to be honest, the daycare that we picked, they were so amazing. They were so loving to Levi. It made his transition over here so much better. And mm. like, again, like the pressure of just trying to come up with 200 a month is much much easier on you than trying to come up with uh, to be honest I don't even know the pr- I know the prices are outrageous and it's Ireland, another but, mortgage for enough that a family is yeah. here at the moment now it, emotionally I suppose you miss family and friends you miss Cork yeah absolutely and I, I we just going backtracking there on what you said a while ago like I would say if I could give anybody advice who's moving abroad for me, it was a case I was so ready. I was so ready to move abroad. So no matter who told me that I'd miss home, no matter who told me that I'd miss friends, I, of course, agreed and said I know, but I didn't actually think how much I would miss them or how much it would affect me. Like just meeting, like, as I said, I was 25 when I moved abroad. So just meeting my friend for a coffee or to go to Starbucks or to go to Mahan Point for a walk around, um, just to get to be me, to get to get out of the house. I didn't have that. I didn't have that for like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to be here three years in March. I didn't have that really until this year. I didn't really start like having my own life until this year where I can actually call on people over here and say, would you like to meet for a coffee? Do you want to go to the beach today? You know, and actually having like a friend to call on. And that was what I missed the most. Mm. Um, also like, acclimatizing to the weather it's hard on you you don't realize how hard it is on you like there's lots of things that I guess I just would like to advise people if they are moving abroad that like it will affect you you like it will be hard sometimes you will question did you do the right thing sometimes but at the other end of it you like I drive home and when on my drive home I can see all the ocean on the horizon and like still after three years I think oh my god I did it I made it I love Mm. this I'd never go back so you have like it's very split for me it's very like oh my god I miss home I miss my friends I miss going for Sunday dinner with family and then on the other side of it you'd never want to go back you couldn't look back Like financially, it's so much easier, you know, during the evenings, you have so much time during the evenings to enjoy your life. And I feel like that was something that Ireland never gave me. Like we finish work at 5 p.m. It stays warm. Like, I mean, in Tenerife, it stays warm all year round, but like the sun is out till 8 p.m. People are out on the street until 10 p.m. with their children. Nobody judges you. You know, like people are just going around in their flip flops. There's fashion isn't really a big thing here. You don't have to feel like you're completely done up every time you go into the city. And it's just a more relaxed lifestyle completely. Yeah, you're, you're, you're making me want to book a flight. When is your <laughs> when <laughs> when is your book out? Um, 
Um, so basically, when I first moved here, I did start an Instagram and my Instagram is called Life After Moving. And so I'm currently working. It, it's more of a, a guide. It's more of a guide on how to teach you how to move abroad. Things that I would have done different now that I'm here three years. Things that I did that I still think was a really good thing to do. You know, like getting onto the public health care, how to do that. So it's like a, a tell all book slash guide on how you could move abroad. And the aim for that is going to be December and it's going to be an ebook. So it's going to be available through my Instagram and you'll be able to just click that on a link. And if you do follow me over on Instagram, then like you'll get all the updates of when the book is definitely coming out. Maybe we'll chat again when it happens. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? Because I, 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 I'm so envious of you because you're there on the Costa oh. Deque, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, so I'm so jealous. And you get to look at that every morning like, God bless us. <laughs> Mia, I know, I know. <laughs> take care. Thanks for talking to me. We'll talk again. Cheers. Okay, thank you. Have a lovely day. Cheers. That's Mia Bowen in Tenerife. Half a cork out there. 200 a month for daycare for the child for five mornings a week. Figure that one out. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Keen to Crope has announced a March 2023 headline tour following his emphatically sold out run of September shows, culminating in a return to Cypress Avenue on April 1st. Tickets are on sale from Friday at 10 a.m. from the Old Oak and cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. James Orr's Earl of Songwriting and Sound have been praised for their autumn. Authenticity, earning him plaudits like a place on Hot Press's Once to Watch listings. James returns to Cork this Thursday night for a show at Collins. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Obviously, why on you, you wouldn't have freezers or anything like that, but you've got to keep the lights on at Pinocchio Toys. Are you concerned? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I mean, it is a, it is a worry. I mean, our, our electricity has more than doubled. Um, really? Now, like you said, we're very lucky. We don't have refrigeration. Um, our, we have night heating in the shop when it does eventually come on. Um, which it certainly isn't yet. Um, you know, the night heating rate doesn't appear to have gone up, so um, it won't cost us extra on heating. Um, the window lights we're now turning off overnight. We'll just leave we'll leave some light in the window, and then we have night lights, and we'll use those to give the window some light during night. Isn't LED cheaper, though? It's a cheaper oh, draw. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, we virtually everything in the shop now is either LED or... or low watt long life yeah. um, but you know you're still talking about it um, a unit price going from 19 to 52 that's like, that's that's what people are forgetting it a, un- a, a single unit of electricity was 19 cents now it's 52 and that's with yeah. any discounts that people get and all that yes exactly I mean that's a discounted rate um, and I mean for us that's gone up and not only that the standing charge has gone up by 30 euro which I would love someone in any energy place to explain yeah the provisions on the budget last week if I'm trying to remember correctly now you're you're able to claim back for the increase and there's a maximum of 10 like will it will it work will you be able to do that 
I think it will work a bit for us. I, I don't. I mean, again, I you know, I I have more sympathy with restaurants and you know, um, food retailers, etc., who have to have fridges running. Um, you know, we're we're not going to be hit anywhere near as as painfully as they are. Yeah, but you're all you're all part of the one city centre, though. Oh, you know? oh, I mean, it's very much it it will affect huge amounts because I mean, if it affects them, they're our customers. Yes. You know, I mean, every every customer of ours is affected. So so regardless of whether the shop is affected, yeah, we still get affected anyway. Well, well, because, it'll affect it'll affect footfall. It'll affect that kind it'll of thing. It'll affect things. everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, if the cafes are shortening their hours, as as, yep. a, as a lot of them already are. That'll affect yeah. footfall, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I know quite a few coffee shops are shortening their hours. Lots of restaurants in the city centre haven't been opening, part, partly due to lack of staff, but also this is just adding an extra layer of yeah. difficulty to everybody. I'm, I'm so, yeah. hearing that some places, outside of the busy run-up to Christmas, say, when it comes upon us, or they're coming up to jazz, like, but some people just won't, won't, won't open on a Monday or a Tuesday. Oh, lots. I mean, we know a number around us who don't open on Mondays or Tuesdays or, or open much later, in the case of the pubs, much later in the day. Yeah, yeah. And, and late opening is going to become more expensive too, Wayne, because you've got to yeah. light the place up and you've got to heat the place up in the winter. And you've got to heat the place in the winter, yeah. Yeah, and that's, again, that is going to cost most of them, you know, unless they have an open fire, which not many do. You're in business a long time. Where do you see this going? Where where People must be very worried. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I like to think that in due course it will ease back again. I don't think will. I don't think it'll ease back to where it was. Mm. But I can't. I can't imagine that it will continue like this because I think as as the EU and the rest of us begin to get a grip on the fact of where where energy is coming from, I think it will slowly get back. People will get. And I, you know, I mean, it's 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 the war that is forcing it. Yeah, yeah. So I think as as the EU realises, well, you know, this reliance on Russian gas, etc., yeah, has been the problem. In in a, in a weird, I mean, we actually use very little Russian gas. That's that's the hardest part. Do you think oh, it's going mean, to come to a point, Wyon, where the government, despite what they're saying about it being on, they're just going to have to step in and do something? I think they have to because because it affects such a vast number of people and it and in the case of businesses there's no way you know the average coffee shop restaurant can afford double their electricity bill it's not possible no. you know um i mean if all your costs start i mean we've already found that everything we do has gone up so everything that comes in is increased slightly yeah. you know every every cost we have bags, whatever, has gone up. Yeah. And you can't you know? pass it all on. And we can't pass it all on. So we're, we're absorbing some of it. We're passing some of it on, obviously, with no choice. But, yeah. but you know, you're trying to just slightly decrease margins, slightly yeah. decrease margins to, yeah. to try and keep things keep yeah, People doing as much as they can to conserve yeah. energy. I'd say that something tells me, Wyon, that as we head towards, inevitably towards the jazz and then the Christmas season, I think the evenings will be much darker this Christmas than they were previously, do you think? I think so, because I think there's definitely going to be, there's going to have to be a kind of an attempt to turn the power off in certain areas or, you know, turn the lights down. 
you know I don't see how people I don't see how it can be avoided no, no, it's it's, it's 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 bleak time. It's bleak. Yeah, bleak, I think bleak so. Time. I mean, I, I as I say, I still like to look and say it is going to improve again. Whether it'll improve to you know to where it was, yeah. I don't know. But I I think you have to believe you have to believe it's going to get better. If you keep, you know, we talked ourselves into a recession. We've talked ourselves out of a recession. Yes, we can talk ourselves back in just as easily. There is that. We've got to try and remain positive and tell it's us that this, this too shall pass, I guess. Yes, sure. yeah, yeah, basically. But then again, we all know what people, like, you, you have that, and you say, right, this too shall pass. But the reality of it is it'll pass very slowly and very painfully. Yeah, and that's, and that's the worry, is how long will this take to pass? How many people will survive yeah. long enough, you know? Um, but, you know, we said that at the beginning of, of covid Indeed we did. You know, and lots of people managed to get through it and survive. People like yourself got through it. And shopping local will be even more important this Christmas. Oh, extremely. I mean, people really do need to remember that when you buy something locally, it's, it's you're spreading it around, you know, we buy it from us, I go buy a coffee next door, I buy, you know, etc. It, it goes around. All right. Okay. Well, wish well over the next few weeks with Pinocchios and all the other businesses around the city centre. A hard, hard few weeks ahead. Some of the predictions I've been hearing from people in business and in retail, especially, are, are they're just bleak. And I, I, the people I'm talking to, I hope against hope that they're wrong. But there's so many of them in business for so long that I, I, I really do fear they may be right. And a very, very, very hard few months ahead. A bride who was left jilted at the altar. It means, unfortunately, that her groom-to-be didn't turn up. And she'd oh, spent 12 grand on a wedding. And she just went ahead and had the wedding anyway. What, who, what, 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 what did she marry? She didn't marry anything. The disco, she had the meals, she had the guests were all there. She said, come on, let's just let's just go for it. He doesn't rock in. And for a complete face, you got to go, all right, we're having a party anyway. Yeah, she spent a lot of money. Do you know how many tears are on the cake? How many? Loads. <laughs> Brutal rock. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24 7. 96 The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We had quite a number of <coughs> offers of help coming in this morning for Rory, um, who is looking for a place to live he's in Cork to do a master's and he was on with me quite a few people came forward and said I might be able to help that chap I might be able to do something for him so we're we're working on that behind the scenes we did have another few messages of people in very similar situations including a family in Court McSherry uh, I'll read that message in, in a wee while 0818 96 96 96 the number the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 email opinion at 96fm.ie that is the best way to get us as I say out of hours so when we're not live on the air, that is always the best way to get us. Opinion at 96fm.ie. If you're catching up on any of our podcasts, and we put up about 30 podcasts per week, including the full show every day. You get that mid-afternoon. You get the full show. And of course, if you listen to us overnight, 
between 3 and 5 a.m., a scaled-down version of the full show. Uh, and you can listen to that anywhere you want in the world on the 96FM app. If you're trying to contact us at that, through that, uh, opinion at 96fm.ie is always the best way. 0818969696, the quickest and most direct. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking on the show to uh, Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Dennehy. She's a mom here in Cork, and she had a fairly frightening experience with her son, Charlie, who's only, at the time, was only 15 weeks old, and uh, he got bitten by a false widow spider down in their home in Shanagarry. Let's, rem- let's remind ourselves of that conversation. How is Charlie, Sarah Jane? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How is he? Charlie is flying it. He's uh, he's super. We were really, really lucky with the reaction that he had to the bites. Um, so if you were tuned into the news last night, you would have seen that he still has the bites there yeah. from a week ago now. Um, but he's not in any pain or discomfort with them, so we're just monitoring them and waiting for them to go down. It was a kind of a frightening discovery, though. He started screaming or something, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So he was just, he got dressed as normal and he was playing for about 45 minutes and he just went apocalyptic. I've never heard him scream like what he was doing. So I took him up and I thought it was just a nappy and I stripped off the trousers and I immediately saw the bites on his leg. He had three big bites and his leg was really swollen and inflamed. Um, so I couldn't see what had caused it. So I stripped off his top. And then just as I did that, a big noble false widow just crawled out from behind his ear. So gave me the fright of my life. Did you recognize this or did you know what it was? No, not at all. Um, so it's just as it came out behind him, I just put it in a nappy bag um, just because of how upset he was. And I knew he'd probably have to go to the GP. So I wanted to bring it in with me in case I suppose it was the years of watching Steve Irwin growing up that if you're bitten by anything, you bring it in, capture it and bring it in with you. So there's a name from the past. Good, good yeah. talk though. And then who, who recognized it as the, as the, as the widow? Um, I sent a picture through to my dad. Uh, my dad was in, he used to kind of monitor diseases. So uh, he immediately got on to um, John, Dr. John Dunbar and Dr. Michelle Dugan up in NUIG, who were in the Venom lab up there. Um, so before we'd even kind of got into the GP, we were tied into this uh, subject matter experts and right. they kind of gave us quite a lot of guidance on what we were looking for and the different symptoms that come with the bites. So how did they sort out Charlie's pain? Because he was obviously in pain. He was, bless him, and he's so small as well. He's only 15 yeah. weeks, so there's really only so much they can give them at that age. Um, so he had paracetamol first, that kind of, he was bitten at half past 11 in the morning, that did him through to about half past one. Um, and then from half past one, we really couldn't manage the pain with paracetamol and ibuprofen. So we ended up taking him into hospital um, mm. into A&E to see if we could get anything stronger. Is it a thing, though, that there are more spiders around this autumn and are they bigger? <laughs> Personally, I don't know whether it is. I know there's a lot of wasps. The wasps are taking forever to die off and the fruit flies are still going around. Or am I just seeing things? Trevor Hayden from Complete Pest Control. Trevor, are there more insects this this autumn than than there normally would be? Morning. Good morning. How are you? Um, Yeah, absolutely there is. Um, The conditions have just been absolutely perfect. We had a a kind of a, a relatively dry, warm summer. 
which is ideal. So in saying that now, in looking at the last, say, four or five years, we're noticing that the, the, the spraying season, as we like to call it, for the likes of ants and wasps and everything else, is getting much, much longer. Like last year, I think it was the end of November when we did our last wasp nest treatment. Right. So, which is unusual, really, really unusual. And we started ants this year in February. So the the, the window where they we're not doing these type of treatments is getting much, much smaller. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of wasps still around the back garden by where we keep the bins. We keep them down with jaysalute and water and it, it seems to work. But spiders, I haven't seen too many, but there are some big ones around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the, the the false widow is obviously one that hits the headlines all the time. And, and you know, they, they are, they can be quite painful. Um, you know, it, it's it's almost like a bee sting or a wasp sting. Now, not everybody reacts in a, in a negative way. Some people, it's nothing. But for other people then, like the way some people re- react badly to a wasp sting, you, some do, some don't. It just depends on, on your skin and, and what way you are, so. Mm. In terms of getting rid of them, I mean, I don't like killing spiders. My wife to be horrified when I say this and Ema is shivering inside in the control room because she's, she's terrified of spiders. I don't like to kill them. I like to get a cloth or a piece of tissue paper and just gently cup them in my hand and pop them out the window. I mean, I fa- will, will a false widow bite me in, in, when I'm, while I'm doing that? No. No, they, they look. Will they bite? Absolutely, they can. But the cases of them biting is is very, very low. You know, we deal with them all the time. Um, look, my my personal uh, being a pest controller, my personal preference will be a bit of paper and a glass. Take it outside. Leave leave them outside. Yeah, yeah. A lot of new builds are wood framed. Timber framed yeah. housing is more environmentally friendly, or so they tell us. Do spiders like those frames? Yes. They do, because there's more uh, open... Well, if you build something out of concrete, it's a solid structure. There's no gaps or anything. When you build something out of wood, obviously wood is going to expand and contract. So you're going to have little gaps where they can get in and out. But yeah, absolutely, they, they love them. And do they like the warm insulating? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so this time of year, when, when it's nice during the day and, and we're, we're starting to get cold now at night, they're, look, they don't want to be out in the cold anymore than you and I do. So they're going to look for somewhere nice and warm and dry to, to, to hang out. Yeah. Let's look at a few things you can do to to keep them down. Um, there are a lot of myths or old wives' tales. Oranges and citrus fruit. Yeah, I've heard this as well, actually, about the, the citrus. And, it, you know, some people absolutely swear by it. Um, they, they claim that the, the lemony, you know, the, like a sift-type lemon spray keeps them out i haven't seen it myself now what what i have seen people work very well with is vinegar and mm. um, the spraying of vinegar around the window frame um the, the acid within it they don't seem to like yeah keep things clean and bright they don't like the bright light um, I don't know. I have, I have a spider living in my downstairs toilet at the moment, right up in the corner, and that's a nice bright room. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, too much to my son's despair. My, my daughter has named them, but my son absolutely hates spiders. So, yeah, so he he won't use that room at all. Mm. Leaving wet towels on the bathroom floor. I read an article last week that said it's the last thing you should do because they thrive on it. And then someone else is saying, no, they don't like it. What's it what is the story? I, I think that's based on the fact that you generally don't find spiders in damp areas. It's usually dark, warm, dry areas you find them. So I think that's kind of f- fueling that thing about leaving the towels out. 
Yeah, yeah. Humane spider catches, you get them in hardware stores. Yeah. Vinegar-based deterrent. Outside the house, can, can that sounds like a mad question. Can you can you deter them from coming in? No. Now, don't forget, spiders themselves are predatory. They'll, they'll prey on the likes of whatever they catch in their web, like flies and stuff. But they themselves are a food source for birds. So you'll often see a magpie land near a gutter and they're, they're looking under the slate or under the guttering. And what they're doing there is they're, they're looking for spiders to eat. So, ah. you know, have, having them outside, the birds will, will prey on them. I see. I, now, I, now I'm beginning to realise why I don't have too many spiders because I go on to the next topic. We have a lot of birds around our garden, but yeah. also I have two cats. And you say cats yeah. are natural predators for spiders. They, they, they won't see them necessarily as a food source, but they'll see them as a bit of sport. They'll, they'll chase them because they move. Like like anything, you, you do anything in front of a cat and they'll chase it. So, yeah, it's more curiosity than anything else. Mm, but they're lethal, they'll get them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so get a cat if you're really stuck. Yeah, get a cat. Terrified. <laughs> now, do you know, I know that people are terrified of them and I shouldn't kind of mock it. So, I mean, I'm terrified of snakes. I could not be in the same house as a snake. I'm much less likely to see a snake in Ireland, obviously. But if I had the same fear to do with a spider, I think I'd probably have to try and understand how people feel. It's 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 easier said than done to just say, look, it's harmless. It won't won't hurt you. Yeah, do you know what? It's everybody has something they don't like. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. You have a fear. Somebody has fear. And spiders, you know, it's the way they move. Especially, the, we have one here in Ireland called the wolf spider, which can actually get quite large. And if they were to walk across a wooden floor, you can actually hear them. That's how big they yeah, get. Yeah, I've seen them. I've yeah. seen one of them. Yes. So everybody has something. So I totally, I don't, I'm not afraid of them myself, thankfully. Um, but I totally get it because of the way they move and, and how big they can get, you know. And, and look, we've all seen films where there's attacking spiders and all this type of stuff. So, yeah, we've been conditioned not to like them. Yeah, yeah. What is it with the fruit flies? Are they eating them? But I, I, I've never before seen fruit flies in October, Trevor. Yeah. So fruit flies, it's to do with moisture. They lay their eggs in, in moist, damp conditions. So if you have standing water anywhere or a moist condition, that's what causes them. Mm. Yeah. Is is the bit that, that they're drawn to the fruit bowl, is that a myth? Uh, no, no. But again, it's usually when the fruit is, has turned and is going off. Um, and, you know, it, it starts to... It, it, moisture starts to form around the actual fruit itself, again, that's what they're after. Right. It is true, though, that they're far more terrified of you than you are of them, the spiders. Isn't that right? It depends who you are. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, they have absolutely zero interest in you. They they don't want anything to do with you. So, you know, if you go near a spider and you poke it with your finger, it's natural instinct just to run. They'll run away. So, no, they, they, they really, really don't want that to do with you at all. Here's a couple of mad ones that we got as well from Peppermint spray. Make up a peppermint spray and put yeah. it on. Does that work? Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard ones about peppermint and lavender. Lavender, I'm not too sure about because lavender seems to be the Swiss knife of all sprays. It seems to get rid of everything, you know. But peppermint, yes. And I think it's because of, of how strong it can smell. Um, but look, uh, I, I don't know. It's it, We'll put it in the myth category. Right. WD, now this is the new one on me, WD-40 on the windowsills. I've never heard that. 
It seems never, mad. Now, there's I a hundred. It's probably a book in the number of different uses for WD forty, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, could, I wouldn't imagine it's too good for your paint on your windowsill. No, it's not. <laughs> so, and the last one, and this, because it's conquer season, conquers left on the window, in the windowsill. Is that a myth? Yeah. 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 Now, somebody probably ring in and say, absolutely no way, I put them there all the time, but yeah, I, I certainly, it, it falls into the myth category for us. The, 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 the belief is that there's a noxious chemical within a conquer that repels a spider and that they don't like them at all and if they get the smell they I, I can't see much in that one to be honest which is clever no. No. completepestcontrol.ie is Trevor's website I guess it's just try and steer clear and try and coexist and buy a humane catcher which you'll pick up at a hardware store for, for a few yeah, quid a humane catcher or a piece of paper and a glass and just put put them outside yeah Okay. All right, Trevor, thank you very much. Trevor Hayden, complete pest control. No, I don't kill them. I, I We have war at home over this. My missus wouldn't quite be an arachnophobe. She just doesn't like them. I won't kill them. I will not kill them. Um, I won't kill butterflies. I won't kill moths. I'll kill wasps because they hurt. But no, I won't kill a spider. I'll pick it up gently. little piece of kitchen paper or a towel just grab it and just fling it out the window he'll be back in any minute I don't care right I'm putting him out now he has an opportunity to escape have you seen these big spiders have you got pictures of them someone said they were the size of your fist now I'm looking at my fist and thinking no if I saw that the dog would run from it I don't think so really Turn all the way up. Or till a really suck. Straight to the dance floor. Or totally ignore. Top of your playlist. Or will never be missed. Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96 FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 boom like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey. And the cash could be yours. Go to 96fm.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 boom like that. See 96fm.ie. Courts 96fm. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago to the people from Ireland's future, and they had a big event at the Three Arena in Dublin on Saturday, and they had Colomini was there, and Leah Varadkar spoke, Denise Chyla and Donald Lunny did the entertainment Mary, Mary Lou MacDonald spoke and their keynote speaker was the actor Jimmy Nesbitt all about the prospect of a united Ireland and how it might be achieved, whether it can be achieved, do we actually want it to be achieved and what it might actually mean for us as a nation and it was billed as just let's get together and have a conversation uh, Maureen Tuig from the 96FM newsroom uh, was out on the streets of Cork at the weekend asking people about you know, how they'd feel about a united Ireland. Let's see what you think. If there was a referendum tomorrow on uniting the country, and look, let's not oversimplify it or undersimplify it, if there was a referendum tomorrow morning on whether we would reunite with the six counties, how would you vote? Would you vote yes or would you vote no? Your thoughts on that at 083 396 96 96. But here's what Maraid found when she went asking people that question. Well, it is one aisle, and as far as I'm concerned, we're not two different countries. 
Simple as that, I'm Irish. They're Irish, we're Irish. We should be all united. Oh, absolutely, definitely, yes. Oh, I vote for a united Ireland. And why would that be? I think it would be good for our country. We'd all be the best of friends. And they'd be at the invasion would have been in the past then. And I think the people of Northern Ireland wanted to stay in Europe, but they had no choice, only to go along with Brexit, even though they voted the other way. So I think if they became a, if we became a united Ireland, they would be back in Europe, as is their wish. It would be nice to see a united Ireland someday, but not if it was it the cause of bloodshed, really. I think I'd probably vote yes, yeah, yeah. It would be nice to see it united, but not under bloodshed, really. Well, first of all, we shouldn't be in the situation we're in. Ireland is Ireland. Like, we shouldn't have another country involved with us. No, we do not, we're not living there up in the north, so we don't know what it's like to be living there. Now, I'd say years back, it probably was rougher than what it is now. And it's great to see people getting on. And as I said, we're not living there. I'm not sure what people think above in the north. But definitely from down here, it would be great to see United Ireland. Well, I'm American. Yes. I'm living here. Living here. Yeah. So what would your thoughts be on a United Ireland? A United Ireland. I think it's a good idea. Yeah? Ah, good idea. I come to this, and this is me purely speaking on behalf of PJ. I come to this from the point of view of we struggle to afford to run and manage the 26 counties of which we have control. And we are adding six more to those or to that. I think we'd struggle to manage it. Um, and I'm wondering how many people actually care about it. Oshia and Oshia Khan, you were at the event on Saturday. Uh, it seemed to be a very, very well moderated, balanced uh, day of conversation. How did, how did you find it? Good morning. No, it was indeed. And uh, thanks for having me on. Um, it was it was a very exciting event, I have to say. Um, the, the place was packed. The three arena in Dublin was packed. A very diverse audience, lots of young people, um, lots of people from the north, from the south, from all over. Um, and it was, I suppose, a lot of people approached it just with curiosity. Um, what 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 would United Ireland mean? Um, when's it going to happen? How would it ha- happen? And so on. But one of the things I found very reassuring as someone who does believe um, in a United Ireland and someone who believes that it should happen in our time um, was the amount of voices people who came from a unionist background, people who grew up believing in the union, who identify as British, um, but who are now saying and said to us uh, on Saturday that they believe that it's 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 time to reunite Ireland. Um, these are people who, who look over the water at the chaos in Westminster. They look at Brexit, where they were um, dragged out of the European Union against their will. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, maybe, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a, something new, a better set of arrangements we can have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the way that many people are proposing we achieve that um, is through ending the border um, in Ireland and reuniting our country. But the main message that everyone agreed on, um, regardless of, of your view on the constitutional question at the weekend, was that it's now time for the Irish government to start planning because we can't have a situation where, you know, what, what they had with Brexit, where people vote on the principle but have no idea what it's actually going to look like. So the Irish government and Sinn Féin and others have called for this. The Irish government has to, um, you know, convene a citizens' assembly, ask these different questions like you raised there, for example, about the economy, about the health service, about the, the practicalities of uniting Ireland so people know um, how we'll vote. Mm-hmm. And then when the plan is made, let the people have their say because that's what democracy and self-determination is all about. So that's kind of the, the impression I got from the weekend. But it's a very exciting event, very exciting times. And I think um, the momentum is only going in one direction. Mm. 
Brexit appears to have been something of a game changer in this regard in that the people of Northern Ireland overwhelmingly voted against Brexit. Yep. Oh, definitely. Um, Brexit was one game changer. You know, pe- people in, in, in the North, um, r- whether they're British or Irish and view themselves as such, many of them valued and value still their European identity and membership of the European Union. But to a lot of them, Brexit was an eye-opener in the sense that the fact that they were dragged out of the European Union was a direct result of the fact that they are part of this, basically a, a toxic relationship um, with, with, with the Westminster government who don't take their voices into account. So that's, that's one kind of, um, I suppose, step that has been taken and that's very obvious over the last few years um, in, in this kind of drive towards reunification. But others have happened as well. You know, political unionism lost its, its electoral majority in the North. That was never supposed to happen. Mm. Just at the start of the summer, um, a, a, a Republican, a nationalist, someone from that community um, was elected to hold the position mm. of First Minister. That was never, ever supposed to happen. You know, people are talking a about car, the census A Cork woman, if we're to be very strict about it. A Cork woman, of course, from Provide. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, no, so, I mean, and, you know, that's, and all that is, is progress. But I think one of the voices on the Vox Pop there, uh, Oisin, and probably a slightly older lady I would have thought, wanted to say, right, I'd love to have it, but I'd love to have it without bloodshed. And and as someone who grew up in the years of the Troubles and remember my dad, God rest him, going off to serve on the border and, and the things he saw yeah. and the things yeah. that were in the news every day, like, is it possible to unite the 32 counties without bloodshed, because not one drop of blood is worth it, I would have said. Of course, of course it's possible. You know, um, I think it was Nelson Mandela who said that everything seems impossible until it's done. So the the transition has to be orderly, it has to be agreed, and it has to be peaceful. And just bear in mind that this was all agreed 24 years ago in the Good Friday Agreement, where the two sides, the two great traditions in Ireland, sat down and said, right, we disagree on what we would like Ireland to look like. But we agree on how to resolve that question. And it's provided in, in the Good Friday Agreement, international law, that a referendum will take place that the people in the North, the people in the South on the same day will vote um, in a referendum. And if, if we're honest, you know, um, I think we have to be talking about voices and not vetoes. No one, um, unionists, nationalists, no one has a veto over this. So the threat of violence, um, to be honest, I, I don't think it has any basis. Um, and I think we have to, Start start the planning now, because if this does happen in a disorderly fashion, by burying our heads in the sand, as if we're honest, the Irish government is doing at the moment, mm. um, you know, th- then there might be a risk. But if we do it in a way that's planned, listen to people's voices, listen to those people who come from a unionist background. Um, you know, you, you won't hear them in in Jeffrey Donaldson or in the DUP because obviously they're political unionists. They advocate for the union. That's just to be expected, and that's fine. But there are people in civic society who um, identify as British and who are Protestant and who might have grown up believing in the Union but are now thinking um, that a new Ireland mm. is the best way to proceed. So they're the voices we have to listen to. There, to be there central are also the, the little enclaves and you'll find them if you're driving around the North. You know, the little enclaves where the house is painted with a Union Jack and, and bridges become borders. You're now entering British town, you know... Those people don't want to unite. Of course, and unionists will be unionist and they will advocate for the union and nationalists will be nationalist and advocate for Irish unity. And at the end of the day, if we're honest, 
you know, the, those camps are, are almost equal, you know, in size. Um, what will matter is the, the, the middle voice, the persuadable voice. But just on, on that issue of, you know, people who fly the Union Jack, who respect the Union Jack, they will continue to hold British citizenship. That issue, identity, was also agreed 24 years ago. So no, no one's identity mm. is threatened. The framework's already there. Of course, yeah. yeah. And, and that's something that will be respected. Yeah. Um, just... Irish identity and people of a Gaelic heritage, their identity will be cherished and respected and promoted. And also people who've made Ireland their home more recently, migrant communities and um, mm. those who don't fit into the two camps of green and orange. Um, so I think it's, a, it's an incredibly exciting opportunity just to completely reimagine Ireland. So many of the, the, the big issues we face at the moment can be... Um, can, can that course can be steered and we can really, I suppose, rewrite the story of Ireland um, and in a sense finish the story of Ireland mm. while at the same time beginning a new one. So I, I think it's incredibly exciting times and the, the momentum and the feeling of excitement that was there on Saturday um, mm. was something to behold and I think it, the, that momentum is only going to continue to, to grow and together. Do you mind me asking what age you are, Rasheen? I'm 19, I'll be 20 I'm in 19. December. So by what age do you think we have had a chance to vote Oh, God. Um, I don't think that 10 years is an unrealistic timeline. I think it depends on how long it takes for the Irish government to wake up um, or to change. Um, and the, the second the Citizens' Assembly starts, Green Paper, green Paper's um, investigations into the economic benefits of, of Irish unity, the, the practicalities, then I think the momentum will continue and continue to grow. So to be honest, I think by the time I'm hitting 29, possibly, very possibly before it, um, we'll be living in uh, an Ireland that is independent and an Ireland that is united for the first time in a very, very time. And I think that's uh, an incredible possibility. And listening to to other young people, obviously we're not talking about politics all the time, but when we do talk politics, um, it is something that the people are are united about. Um, The the great kind of social movements that have taken place over the last 10 years, the the different referenda in which Ireland has progressed beyond recognition. Um, I think people see this as the next logical step um, to to build a new Ireland. It's it's a it's an interesting conversation, and it is it great that we can now, Oshin, thank you, we can now have this conversation in a calm and measured way. Because when I was Oshin's age, you couldn't, you just couldn't, you didn't bring this up in the pub. There'd be war if you did. It was just something you didn't talk about. You didn't talk about politics. You didn't talk about religion, and you certainly didn't talk about the north. Mick, morning. Hi, Pedro. What was led to say, sir? Um, I was just saying, I, I, I definitely be for United Ireland. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of Irish people that live in the north and have done for years, and they, you know, they just dream of having a United Ireland and being part part of Ireland. Um, you know, a lot of things were beyond their control. Um, you know, they couldn't decide, and you know, even with Brexit, they they voted against it, but they still had to take it. You know, that's right. That's right. Um, my dad, my dad also served in the Irish Army. Um, he used to do the border patrols as well, yeah. um, and also they, they used to do they used to they used to have the guards, the interred Republicans, um, and he, he hated that as well um, back then because you know there was there was people from Cork that he actually knew you know that's right that's right and, it was a difficult you know time. it put it put people in the uh, you know in awkward situations yeah. and you know he he said to them look we're we're only doing our job and. They said, yeah, that's fine. Like, you know, they, they, they knew. And they said, look, we're, we're only doing our job as well, you know. Yeah. And would you have any fear, Mick, that if we did have a united Ireland or did try to have a united Ireland, would you have any 
you know, abiding fear that we could go back to where we were in the late 70s or mid-70s? Um, I, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think, you know, even the people that consider themselves unionists, as you say, are British people, they, they'd kind of accept it as well, I think, because, you know, the, the, the cost of living and the standard of living in, in Northern Ireland and England is, like, the, you know, even just minimum wage and stuff like that. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really bad. Like, you know, people, sorry, people work for really low wages and, you know, they don't, you know, I mean, people live in Poundland. That's, they go there every day with yeah. their dole or whatever. And, and, you know, it's, it's it's a great country, um, Britain or whatever, but, you know, it's not, mm. you know, it's such a big population and stuff like that. So there doesn't seem to be much money there, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, well. I, and I, I just think like that, uh, you know, all all the people that have, have died for us and, you know, it would be great, uh, you know, to be, to, to, you know, to call Ireland united mm-hmm. again, you know, that, and I, I like I wouldn't I wouldn't be an extremist or anything like that you know but I just think, um, yeah, no, you know it would yeah. it would be great like to to see it you know. Yeah. Okay, Mick, thank you. Um, but how, how would you vote if there was a referendum tomorrow morning? How would you vote? Uh, whether we'd have United Ireland or whether we'd not have a United Ireland. Like I said, I'd have my economic concerns. I'm not going to tell anybody how I'd vote, though. I'd have to take everything into account and look at everything and go back and reread, God, reread the Good Friday Agreement that I remember working on as, as a journalist all those years ago and uh, reading it and trying to get to grips with what was in it. You know, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. What would you, how would you vote if there was a referendum tomorrow morning? on United Ireland on um, the spot no says this message no Jimmy and Cove says no uh, a United Ireland would start the troubles all over again from the loyalist side it would be great but I don't want another 10 years of war and that fear is out there yes definitely though United Ireland all the way just on electricity charges and businesses talking to Wayne Stansfield earlier on talking to Wayne from the hairdressers earlier on as well I was in Duns and Douglas Court yesterday Around midday, only half the lights were on. wasn't as bright as usual, but we could still see everything. Places don't actually need to be lit up like airports. Thank you. And, yeah, it's in the news, says this message about people putting rubbish down the toilet. I heard that this morning. A big cause of that is the rubbish bills. It's €28 a month or more. That's why people are doing it. It's not right. But it's why it happens. The government brought this down on us. Do you know something? Of all the utility bills that I have to pay, the bin, the bin charge is the lowest. I think I pay them something like, I don't know, 28 or 29 quid a month. It's about the lowest of all my utility bills. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Whoa, there's a story breaking. Well, it was in the newspapers at the weekend that it might happen, but it's just been confirmed here on the Examiner's website that Jonathan Dowdall is to enter the Witness Protection Programme. That's, as I said, a story that I read in the Sunday papers yesterday, but 
It appears to be confirmed now. Jonathan Dowdall is entering the witness protection programme, which means he will go and live somewhere else under an assumed name and he will effectively be erased from the records here. Wowie. 0818-969696. Now, all morning we're talking about the electricity bills that we've been getting and business is getting and you and me are getting. One man who doesn't have this issue, and God, it's been a few years since I spoke to Sean. How are you, fella? Hiya, PJ. Lovely to speak to you. And you too, my old friend. It's been a while since we ran around the quad at UCC together, you and me, in a pair of high heels. It's been a number of of years. You are a Kerry man uh, initially, and you moved back. That's right. You moved back and you live in a caravan with no electricity. That's it. I moved back in 2016 um, to my old house and the electricity had been cut off. So I kind of started living there and it was during the summer and then it went on during the winter and I moved out now and I'm hoping to sell that house. But I'm living in a, a mobile home on the land with my goats and I just love it. Mm. You've no electricity? No. How do you, how do you charge so your phone? I charge up at work and I have a power bank that I charge up and I have neighbours that I can use their garage if it if I'm really stuck. But most of the time, it's there's a bit of organising in it, PJ. You always have to make sure yeah. you're charging up wherever you go, you know. Do you not get cold at night? Do you know something, PJ? I must, I don't know what is in it in me or is it the way I've always been living, but I never feel the cold. I have a gas heater that I might put on one or two days of the year, and that usually is for the cat or the dog who's looking at the fire to tell me to put it on. You've no car? No car, so I hitch around. And one thing I would think would be a great idea, PJ, is if if I could have, like, a card with credits on it, and whoever gave me a lift, I could transfer some sort of, like, petrol credits to them. Yeah, yeah. You... You know, you, you say you, you, you are you, you do work. Is it far from where you're living? Uh, about seven miles, seven or eight miles. And most people know me now. And, and you know something, people, it's hitch, a new way of socializing. I hitch to work and home again. And it's the new way of socializing. Because you just get to hear all the news and then you carry the news from one car to another in case they're not going all the ways. And um, because kind of going out has kind of really changed. I'm 52 now, so I suppose that that age group, Mm. it's kind of harder to go out or find somewhere to go. So hitching around the place, I'm like a news carrier. I'm like a walking newspaper now. (laughs) You've no television, I suppose, No. No television, no. And I don't miss it, I must admit, because I suppose in the evenings, you that, that's one thing you have to do if you're going reading or if you've been creative at the weekend. You have to do that first during the day rather than later on as it's getting dark. You, It's a different way of living, PJ, do you know? Yeah. You have to bring the light around with you. You have to, like that, organise your day. What do I need to do now while it is bright? Because I have yeah. a few LED lights and a few solar-powered lights, but I see. the solar power, there's a problem. It's a simple problem in a way, because in the summer, the solar-powered lights are, are charged up to the nines, but I don't need them because I'm waking up in the brightness and going to bed in the brightness. And in the winter, when I do need them, 
Yeah. They're not so charged up. So if we could get energy from the dark, we'd be so much better. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? Is, is there anything, I mean, you lived in the rat race with the rest of us. Is, is there anything you yes. miss from the rat race? There's times, do you know, it's funny enough, PJ, only a week or two ago, I was in Chile and I walked into some nice shops and I started missing everything. Do you know what I mean? It'd be so nice to have this. It'd be so nice to have that and coffee machine makers and things like that. But actually, once I got home in a few days, I was quite back to living as simply as possible. You know, I've got a gas hob um, and and the LED lights because I wouldn't light a candle in the caravan. Yeah. So, you know, um, every so often you might, you know, be nice to have, just turn on a light and just to... But overall... I'm quite happy. And do you know something? I really do find my sleeping patterns are much better. Right. Because I am sleeping with nature. I see. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, when it gets dark, you get a bit sleepy, you fall asleep. There's no forcing myself up to one or two o'clock doing something or watching something. Yes. Well, in a few weeks' time, and this is the, I mean, I must say, you're coming into the part of the year now where I hate I hate yes. the dark of winter. I absolutely hate it. And, like, being... Being dark at six o'clock and maybe five o'clock. Oh, yes, and but how do you handle that? Is. At least I can turn a light on. How, how do you handle that? <laughs> um, usually fine. Just just settle in for the night. And um, you see, I have the goats as well, and I'm up and down feeding them, and I might hang out with them for a while and um, mm. <laughs> see what's how, going how, on with how them. How many goats lives. do you have? And I know they all have names. Yes, so I'd say there's a, there's there's around thirty, I think. Right. Although my sister's saying you keep saying around thirty, and there's more, but <laughs> around the thirty, because it's bad luck to say how many you have. Right. So uh, is, is, that, you, is that a way of telling me you don't know? <laughs> no, it's it's if you say you, but I haven't counted them. I couldn't actually tell you now. I'd have to kind of add up what's in in different fields. But I had about ten milking this year now. All right, I was just going to get onto that. Like, do you, do you milk them? And yes. Can you sell the milk or do milk you use them? them? And you, some people take the milk. And I've started making cheese, and that's my kind of um, ambition now is to get more. And I milk by hand as well, okay. and. Um, is to get more into the cheese making and stuff like that. I'm very, I'm, I'm very partial to a bit of goat's cheese, I may tell you now, Sean. Very partial. Oh, very good. Do you find yourself scrolling for hours on social media or have you given that up? Um, I, every so often I can get into it, but I'm catching myself now saying, hold on now a minute, Buck. Because <laughs> yeah, you used because to be very can. active. I used to be very active and I still am in a sense in, in Facebook. I'm on every morning. I broadcast for a few, a few minutes every morning about what's happening with the goats and stuff like that. But I'm getting a bit more, um, how would I be, selective, I suppose, in the time I spend and stuff and trying to do stuff. Because, again, a friend of mine was saying he works for one of these social media companies, and he was saying it's terrible how so many people just copy and paste all the time. They don't create yes. material. And that really did kind of affect me in a way. So I keep trying to create rather than just copy and paste. Yeah. So you're not going to tell me how many goats you have because that'd be bad luck. But give me some of the names. Oh, so we have we have Margot and her two daughters, um, Willow and Bark, and she's Margot. got another set of twins now. Margot, the the road by the river, and she has Ruby Wax and Pearl. 
there's Jesse, there's Nettles, there's Dirin, Purdy, um, Myrut, Ninja, and go Tiberius has just left us for another herd now, and we have Druids. And I'm actually planning, PJ, I'm planning a wedding for the goats at Halloween. Right. Okay. <laughs> Who's getting so married? There we go. Uh, the puck to all the sheaves. You see, I'll be bringing the puck into the field. Nice. Okay. So we'll have a little ceremony. Sean, it's great to talk to you again. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you, PJ. Lovely to speak we've to you. Had a, so we've had goats now getting married in Halloween. We've had a talking cat on the show. That's it. Although I maintain it's a Kerry cat, not a Cork cat. We've had a talking <laughs> cat. I mean, for example, would you reckon Would you reckon that this is a, is a Cork or a Kerry Accent, Sean. Although I'm kind of thinking there now, he could be a small bit cock, PJ. Yeah, you see, I'm thinking he sounds more like this. more Kerry alright <laughs> that's my you can be like myself Sean great it's to a- catch up again it's been, a, it's been a while thank you Sean living with its goats down in Kerry that's it edited today by Emer O'Hay welcome back Emer uh, produced and researched by Fergal Barry see you tomorrow just after nine you're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie 